Hi, this is Yuri Lowenthal, otherwise known as Ben Tennyson, Ben 10 Alien Force, and Ben 10 Omniverse, and I've just saved the universe like a million times. You're listening to Geek Generation. I am your host, Rob Logan, and this is the final episode in our San Diego Comic-Con series for this year. We had so many interviews at this year's convention that I decided to lump them all together in one show. I should also mention that each of these interviews you're about to hear are also available as separate videos on thegeekgeneration.com and on our YouTube page at thegeekgeneration.com slash YouTube. From Sci-Fi's Bitten, I have an interview with Laura Vandevoort. From the just-released Justice League Gods and Monsters, I have interviews with Bruce Timm, Andrea Romano, C. Thomas Howell, Paget Brewster, Tamara Taylor, Alan Burnett, and Sam Liu. From LEGO Justice League Attack of the Legion of Doom, I have interviews with John DiMaggio, Josh Keaton, and Troy Baker. And from Batman Unlimited Monster Mayhem, I have interviews with Roger Craig Smith, Will Friedle, Yuri Lowenthal, and Heath Corson. Before we get into those interviews, just a couple quick things. The first of which is an announcement following up on something that I touched on in a previous episode. I had mentioned that we'd be starting a separate podcast that was more movie-focused, and that is launching this week. The Random Movie Club is a weekly podcast where I sit down with a co-host to discuss, in depth, a movie that they've selected. The only qualification for movie selection is that the movie is available to watch at home, whether that means DVD, Blu-ray, or streaming. The first episode will be available this Thursday by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash RMC, and it should be available on iTunes very soon. As usual, you can support the show if you're an Amazon shopper by getting to the site by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon. When you do that and you make a purchase, we get a small monetary kickback from that purchase, and it doesn't cost you any extra money. So you can basically do your shopping for whatever you're going to do and help us out at the same time at no additional cost to you. Again, that's thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon. So here are all of our interviews from San Diego Comic-Con 2015. I am here with Laura Vandervoort uh, from Bitten, which season three is coming up very soon on sci-fi. Yeah. You seem to be wedged into the sci-fi genre. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, was that a, a purposeful choice or did that um, something that just kind of happened on its own? Sort of happened on its own. Uh, I love sci-fi, and I'm thankful for the the way that they write women um, and portray them. It sort of happened when I was cast as Supergirl. Mm. Um, The sci-fi fan base uh, liked what I did on Smallville, and they sort of followed me along. And I think that's one of the reasons I was cast on V as well, was because of that fan base. And it's just sort of continued on. Um, I don't really go looking for it, but luckily that's, you know, a genre that writes women that I love. That's true. There's a lot of powerful women in sci-fi. And when we're talking about powerful women being the only one that can survive the werewolf transition, uh, on set, is it a bit of a boys club? or? It is, but I'm actually one of the boys. Um, on the show and off the show, we all hang out. We get along. You know, the guys do their push-up contests on set, and I join in. <laughs> I, I really wanted to make sure season one that they did see me as one of the guys because that is the way that the pack works on the sure, show. Sure, sure. 
And I had worked with uh, Steve Lund before on a show. We actually played husband and wife, so we already oh, knew each other. Wow. Um, and all the guys were just fantastic and really laid back, so we got along pretty easily. So it is a, it is a sort of a guy's set, but mm. uh, the second season we had some females on the show playing witches, which was fantastic. If you've worked with somebody where you are playing husband and wife before, and then your dynamic changes, and then we're like brother and sister, how hard is that to shift? Uh, not 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 that difficult. I mean, when we played husband and wife, it was just a very brief thing on a show called Haven, so it wasn't like we spent seasons playing husband and wife. Mm. So you know, as an actor, you just whatever the character is, you evolve into that. So. Since you brought up Supergirl, yeah. uh, you know that there's, I'm sure, that, I'm sure you've been asked this question yeah, so many times, yeah. so I apologize. Yeah, no, that's okay. But uh, how do you feel about the uh, the revival and uh, Melissa Benoist in the role? Uh, I think they did a fantastic job casting her. Um, I haven't seen the show. I saw the trailer, and mm -hmm. I think it looks epic. I think it looks well done. I'm excited to see it, and, uh, and I think it's great that they're doing a fresh take on it. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to take a look at it. Yeah. There are a lot of rumors uh, because the DC like TV and the movies are very separate, and there are rumors that Tom Welling will return to the Flash TV oh, series really? as Clark Kent slash Superman. Yeah. If I mean contracts aside, if that was something offered to you to reappear as Kara on a show, would you be interested? Yeah, I mean, Bitten Bitten's such a a big part of my schedule right now sure. but I she was such a great character to play and I'm thankful to have played Supergirl uh, because it's an iconic superhero mm -hmm. but I always think it's great for them to do a fresh take on her uh, and uh, I don't know much about if Tom's doing that or not yeah. rumors rumors yeah. yeah rumors are evil yes <laughs> uh, but you know I definitely would consider it and um, you know we'll, we'll, we'll see what comes up uh, you said that you're a fan of the sci-fi genre as well because of the strong female characters are there any that you particularly look up to well, I grew up being a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She, I wanted to basically be her. Yeah, movie um, or show? Show. Okay. And movie. Um, movie first, obviously, uh, and then I watched the series. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, she was sort of my idol growing up because uh, I was into martial arts mm -hmm. at the time. And so I would say that uh, I didn't know about Supergirl until I was auditioning. I didn't know oh, her wow. relation to Superman. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, this must be his sister or something. I had yeah. no idea. Um, and then got into this this uh, Comic-Con world. So uh, no real superheroes growing up that I was a fan of. Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, have any particular, like, influences that you go from when you are playing a werewolf? Like, do you go back to the classic like <laughs> in Thriller? Do you know the Thriller dance is really yes, what I'm trying I to do. ask? I do. Yeah. I, I won't do it, <laughs> but I do. Um, no, there, there, there's no real references because our show is not just about werewolves. Sure. Um, it's more so about the characters and their relationships and, and the family dynamic. The werewolf portion of it, I always feel like it's it's a, a B-plot to what the, our relationships sure. are. So there wasn't any prep for the werewolf side. I mean, a lot of our stunt sequences do involve animalistic characteristics, encircling mm -hmm. your prey and things like that. So that's really the only place that we involved it. Um, my, uh, Grayson Holt, who plays Clay, he mm -hmm. apparently, to prepare to being a werewolf, ran around in the forest mm -hmm. naked. That was his preparation. <laughs> that wasn't on your list of things to do? No, 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 no. <laughs> he, he, he had that taken care of. So, yeah. And because of all the physicality, what kind of training do you, I mean, you have a lot of martial arts stuff that you do in this. What do you do personally for that? Um, well, like I said, I grew up doing martial arts, so I had that background. I have my second degree black belt, so that that was a great base to start from. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love doing stunts. It's a, it's always a fun part of my day sure. to just mix it up from the acting yeah. and get physical. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I train when we're not filming, and so do the boys. Um, 
you know, hot yoga and, and spinning and things like that. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much for your time. I thank appreciate you. talking to you. I'm here with Bruce Tim, executive producer on Justice League Gods and Monsters. Obviously, you guys have a very different story this time around. Yeah. Uh, what brought you back to the producer role or inspired you to, to do this? Um, I had a talk with my uh, my boss at Warner Brothers, uh, Sam Register, and he had mentioned that uh, they were thinking about rebooting the Justice League animated series, bringing it back as a series for TV. Um, and he said, the only thing is, is it, has to, it can't just be a continuation of the old show. It has to be something different, new, and fresh. And he said, I don't really know what that is, but if you have any ideas, think about it. So I started thinking about it. And around the, exactly around that same time, DC was doing their big New 52 reboot for the, for the comics. And it got me thinking about how in the, um, in the Silver Age, they rebooted Flash and Green Lantern. Mm -hmm. And they basically took the name and the powers of the Golden Age characters and threw everything else out. And they just you know, reinvented them from the ground up. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be kind of interesting to do the same thing with Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman? And I immediately thought of Superman's origin story. And I thought, okay, so if he's the son of Zod instead of the son of Jor-El... That kind of changes everything. And moved on to Batman, and I thought, well, Batman, he's kind of dressed like a vampire. It'd be kind of cool if he was actually a real vampire. Yeah. Um, so it, that just kind of informed the entire idea for the entire series, and uh, away we went. You mentioned continuation of the prior Justice League yeah. uh, and how you have the change there. Of all the series that you've created, and some ended abruptly like yeah. a little more maybe than before you wanted to right if you could go back and kind of continue and pick up where you left off is there one that you've kind of always had in mind i don't know i, I think batman beyond was a show that kind of ended way before we were ready to end uh and the thing is we weren't doing serialized shows back then i mean we didn't really start doing that until justice league sure. so uh you know, Batman Beyond was just kind of canceled, and it was just kind of like, oh, no, it's done. And we didn't really do, like, a big, you know, series finale or anything. Sure, sure. Which is, you know, that's kind of what we did back then. But it was just kind of like, yeah, I kind of wish we had done something a little different. So that's actually why, in the Justice League show, we actually kind of did do a Batman Beyond, you know, 15 years later kind of story just to kind of wrap things up. An amazing episode that oh, was, too. You. I absolutely love Batman Beyond. Oh, it's, like, one of my favorites. Cool. Um, Going forward from this, mm -hmm. uh, is this a universe, the one that you've created now, one that you would like to see move forward? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, we're already doing, um, I mean, there's, there, I'm sure you know about the uh, the comic book spinoff series, sure. and we're also doing, we've already done the, the three shorts that have been on Machinima already, and Machinima is actually in, in, um, very deep, deeply interested in doing more shorts great. Um, in, set in this world, which will be great because then we can get to introduce lots more Justice League characters besides just the big three. Right. So, I, I yeah, I mean, once you open that door, it's like, oh, yeah, then we could do this with this character, and then we'd, we can mash these two characters together, and we can do this. And So it's, it's just kind of endless fun. So, yeah. Exciting to play in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing it. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, yeah, thank you. All right. right Pleasure to meet you. I am here with Andrea Romano, voice director on Justice League Gods and Monsters. First, it is an honor to meet you. Thank you very I feel much. like you're such a huge part of my uh, fandom in my life because I enjoy so many of the things that you've worked Thank on. Thank you for saying so. Um, when you are dealing with something like this, where you have new characters, you have a new universe, where do you go for voice inspiration on something like this? Uh, you know, there was that moment of I have to get rid of everything I've thought of previously mm -hmm. and, and look at this as a brand new project almost as if I haven't been ensconced in the DC universe for the last 20 some odd sure. years. And because it was an original piece and didn't come from a graphic novel or from comic books at all, 
I, I love the idea that the audience is getting to see something and hopefully without preconceived notions and not going, well, Batman always has to be this way. And I've done so many different Batman projects and so many different Justice League projects that I'd like to think the fans are prepared for almost anything because sure. they're all different. You know, Batman the Animated Series and The Brave and the Bold couldn't be more different right. incarnations of Batman. Right. So this one was specifically different because... We have a, a Batman that is not Bruce Wayne and not bent on vengeance. Right. We have a Superman that is not the son of Jarrell and who was raised by Hispanic parents, so speaks no, Spanish okay. fluently. Wow. Um, we have a Wonder Woman with a completely different sensitive backstory. And so I really just look for the best actors. Uh, and, and what helps me a lot is to see what the character design looks like because you look at a very big Batman and you want a voice that goes with a big Batman. Sure. If you have a slight thin Batman, you want a voice that makes sense coming out of that body. Um, and then uh, then you also look at how does this Batman line up with this Superman and this Wonder Woman? Do they make sense in the same universe? Or are they different styles of actors? Or are they? And so that's always a matter of really putting a puzzle together. So it's kind of fun to do it all again and exhausting. Yeah. And, you know, uh, such a huge responsibility every single time I do it. And I, I always just hope the fans come along with me. In addition to the great voice actors that we have presently here with us today, you also worked with Michael C. Hall, Jason Isaacs, oh, yeah. and Benjamin Bratt. Yeah. I'm a huge Dexter fan, and I, I'm so curious what it was like to work with Michael C. Hall. He was an angel. Um, he had not done this work at all, I don't think. Maybe if he had, he had a tiny bit of experience sure, with sure. it. So I basically, as I say to all actors who have not done this work before, I just said, trust me, I won't let your voice go out sounding bad. I'll, I'll, I'll hold your hand through the entire process. All you have to do is act, and we all know you can act. So just act the piece, and then if there's some technical problem, a pop on the microphone, or you've moved away from them, or whatever, I can easily help you with that problem. But just act it, ask questions as you go, happy to answer anything, because a lot of the actors record separately. I like it better when they can record together, but their schedules don't always allow that. So if, if you want to do three completely different takes for that one line, do three completely different takes. Mm -hmm. We'll find the one that goes best with the next line that follows it. And so it's kind of a freeing thing for the actor and it allows them to play. And once they buy into the process, <gasps> it's Tommy Howell. Is this weird? Man. This isn't <laughs> weird at all. I have never crashed an interview. Ooh, really? This nice. is awesome. I am, I'm honored. Wow. <laughs> is it... Is it Weird that it's a three-way now. No. Her husband's here, but he's super cool. I love him. He's really cool. Can, I need to join you. Okay. Chop yes. right in. Yeah, yeah, feel can great. I just say one thing because I haven't said it Absolutely. while she could hear? You have no idea the greatness that you are. Oh, I do. In front I of do. right now. I had to spend the first part of the interview just uh, showing my love. Bit. Okay, I can, can I? Okay. I was fanboying a little. Okay, that's good because let me tell you something. I have worked with Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola. John Milius, Franco Zeffirelli, and Andrea Romano. <laughs> well, She's amazing cool in what she does yeah. and inspires you the same way as an artist and is so giving. And I love Thank you, you and needed you to hear that because it's Thank amazing. You. And, and you know, as an artist, we feel so safe coming in to you. We're like, Andrea's there. I'll do whatever. And, you know... What I've been trying to tell people is it really comes alive the second time we come in. You know, we do it the uh -huh. first time, uh -huh. and I'm trying to wrap my head around it, and, and we don't have... People Visual. think we have also. People think we have hours and hours and hours to do it. We're laying it down cold. We're not looking at anything. Right. So we got to trust you. Right. we got to trust Bruce. Right. Then the second time we come in, and you see it, and then we're like, we're making a change, and then I might offer, hey, can... And like the argument, can we do that again? And it really kind I of love that. And I pops. love when an actor says, you know, I know you guys didn't call for that to be re-recorded, mm -hmm. but can I try that again? Because I have a better idea. 
that's wonderful because then they're engaged in it with me. Sure. We're not working separately. We're actually together going, why not? Yes. And, and we're making that discovery in the moment, it not is. at home it or is. in the car ride in. That's right. And, and there's a certain life that happens when you make that discovery together right. in the moment and you feel it, the room feels it. And I'm not saying, are you sure that was right? I look at her, she looks at me, we know. Exactly. We're bang, we're moving on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can tell right away, it feels right. It really does. Well, now that C. Thomas Howell is here with us, how do you keep this troublemaker in line? I mean, really. <laughs> but, but my ear. Yeah. 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 She's, she, she does it to all of us. Yeah. She's really got it down to a look now. Right. Yeah, yeah. we just stand at attention. Uh-huh. Miss Romano, whatever Tommy, you want, Miss Romano. Tommy, yes. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Okay. But oh, awesome. The, the thing is, too, that even though we're doing really serious work, and this is a serious piece, sure. it's got to be fun. If it's not fun, then I'm not doing my job right. And so there has to be those moments of levity and breaking it up and taking a break and going, let's just stop for a moment and breathe and let's talk about what's going on and let's make a couple of jokes and then dive back into it. And again, we don't have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. People, His schedule is crazy. My schedule is crazy. We only have the studio for so many and hours. And speaking of that, I, I have to go. So <laughs> no problem. I don't. See you guys. <laughs> you took the elevator. <laughs> so crash this interview. Did you see that? It's as good um, as it gets. It really is great. But, uh, but it's a joyous collaborative effort mm-hmm. and, and the more that the actors want to be a part of it the better it is for all of us well thank you so much for joining us I really appreciate your thank time you. thank nice you you too thank you I'm with Paget Brewster who plays Lois Lane on Justice League Gods and Monsters and uh, you have extensive voice work in your history what was it like coming into this project well this is sort of overwhelming and a little more scary because it's it's such a big universe mm-hmm. And Lois Lane is so iconic, and I remember watching my like my Superman is Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder sure. when I was a kid. That was the movie that I saw. Sure, sure. So I, I, to be another Lois Lane, because there have been a bunch of us. I think the last Lois Lane that I was familiar with was Dana Delaney voiced her. Yes. And she's outstanding and I love Dana. And she's one of those gals I see, I run into, we've worked together. I'm like, hey, how you doing, babe? Yeah. Uh, she's great. So to to be this Lois Lane now is, it's a heavy mantle and I want to do a good job yeah. because I, I respect the material so much and I just want everyone to be happy. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Okay. When you've heard other Lois Lanes, especially people that you know voicing, how do you distinguish yours? I, all I can do is hope that they don't regret hiring me and <laughs> that I do what they want. I started out doing uh, Lois Lane in a couple of the web webisodes mm-hmm. for Gods and Monsters. And I think I'm reali- I just realized today, maybe I'm not that bright, that was probably an audition <laughs> for this film. Yeah. So I'm guessing I did the right thing yeah, <laughs> because yeah. they brought me back. Is Lois a role that you really enjoyed and would want to move forward with? Yes, I do, because she she's a newscaster. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I've always wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides being the great Lois Lane, there's something really cool about... I know that my character is standing in a street full of rubble, and I'm reporting to the citizens, and I don't know, I'm not doing it justice right now. <laughs> there's something very exciting about that yeah. for me. So I, I, I love it. Because of the the breadth of experience you have in both voice acting and on camera acting, is there one that like offers a whole different like experience to you? Is there one that you prefer more than the other? Or oh well, that's the thing. They're they're all so different. Uh, voice acting is to some extent almost 
pure acting. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about what you look like. You don't have to worry about where the lights are set up. You can show up in your pajamas and you're just expressing, you're just acting and, and responding and it's physical. You know, sure, you're actually sure. like running in place or pretending to, you know, take a punch. Like it's very specific. Um, being on camera, uh, you're on camera, you know, you need to know where everything is sure. and it's your face and are you... Are you? You're not making a weird face, but I like, try not to. <laughs> do you ever? You 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 have to worry about. Am I? Do I look ridiculous? Right. Am I? Oh, I look ridiculous all the no, time. No, you don't. You, you look great. Do. No, no, no. You look outstanding. <laughs> um, but drama is different from comedy. Yeah. Film is different from TV. Multi camera. So it's all. I and and what excites me is being able to do all of it. So I like to do a little bit of all of it because it's fun and it's nice to mix it up. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so thank much you for so your much. time. I look forward Thanks. to the movie. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here with Tamara Taylor, uh, who plays Wonder Woman on oh Justice God. League Gods and Monsters. Yeah. Um, we know this is not the classic version of Wonder Woman. At all. But what was your familiarity with the classic version? Well, of course, the TV show was sort of my first intro. And then I sort of found the comic books later. And it was amazing because, of course, I just was like jumping out of my skin when I got the call. And then I got the script and went, wow, this is nothing... Like the Wonder Woman I know. Uh, how exciting, how wild, you know? Right, right. What kind of differences do we get in this version of Wonder Woman from the original? A lot edgier. Um, she, she's, got, she, she's got an edge this time around. And, um, yeah, not quite as wholesome. But I, there's an interesting vulnerability that you get to see in the film that's sort of the reason that she becomes who she is. When you don't have that kind of a history behind your version... How do you prep for something like that? Do you know, it was interesting. There was kind of no prep because this was, this was an alternate universe that, that, you know, Bruce had created. They basically just said, let go of every notion you have of who Wonder Woman is and just go and we're going to guide you yeah. and just trust. When you're uh, doing voice acting, and we've seen you in a lot of live action things too, how does that differ for you as an actress? It was an like an, a completely different medium. You know, they, they, there are so many. I, I think the thing, the sequence, the action sequences, I had the hardest time with. Oh, yeah. And Andrea Romano was just an angel and literally walked me through every single ah and oomph and like, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Yeah, like what's the right oomph for punching oh, yeah. the stomach? Who knows? Versus, Who knows right, this? Right, you know, right. and I just sort of cast myself before her and said, I am green, I know nothing, please help me. As long as you didn't do real life research. Yeah, no, yeah. no. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining oh, us. We look forward to the movie. Thank you so much. Thank you. I am here with Alan Burnett, the writer of Justice League Gods and Monsters. You have a huge lineage in the DC Universe with writing these movies. How'd you approach this one compared to others where you're not dealing with something that has a source material behind it? Well, this one started with Bruce Timm having this idea of making darker versions of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. And he, he showed them to me one day. He had, he had them all drawn out. And he had ideas for the origins of them. And uh, we ended up, uh, the, the home video department said, okay, let's do this. Uh, and so we thought of a story and we got it done and, and now it's, it's here. 
but it's a, it's an Elseworlds kind of world mm -hmm. with uh, not only are, are the, the, those three characters different, but everyone, Lois Lane, uh, Lex Luthor, all the DC characters just are, have turns in them that, are, that you don't expect. Mm. Is, is it a good thing for a, or, or, or a positive thing for a writer to occasionally tackle the original thing without having the huge amount of like history behind the character and is that like inspirational for you? It was great. You know, because I've been I've been writing Superman Batman since 1981, since Super Friends. Mm -hmm. So uh, this was this was just complete freedom in a way. Once I, once we got down to what the story was going to be, this was this was a joy to write. Really, it was a lot of fun. And the reason is because I was dealing with a whole new uh, uh, a whole new. Uh, sense of characters mm -hmm. on, on each of the characters, a whole new sense of characters. So it was great. When you are uh, working on these superhero films, how do you avoid falling into uh, repetition of tropes and things like that? Well, you know, we do, we try and vary them. Uh, we try and do, we have Justice League, we have Batman, we have special ones that we do like uh, the, the Frank Miller's uh, Dark Knight. Which was phenomenal. Yeah, that was great. And so we try and vary it. We do try and vary it. And, and it's getting more varied. I wish I could tell you. Uh, <laughs> I have to see it, right? Yeah, yeah well, I'll let Gary tell you. Oh, uh, in the future. Our, our, our yeah. So we, we have uh, a lot of uh, different things that we're doing and new characters we're trying to introduce, new, new uh new uh, uh, titles mm -hmm. so um, we'll see I mean it's we, we do try and vary great well thank you so much I appreciate the time thank look forward you. to the film I'm here with Sam Liu from Justice League Gods and Monsters and uh, you were the director on this feature, yes? Yes. Yes. Um, you've worked on a lot of DC movies up to this point too, right? Mm -hmm. How does approaching a property like this where there's no source material beforehand, how does that differ from working on the other stuff that you've worked on? Um, in one sense, it's, uh, it's, it's very liberating because uh, you don't have to sort of follow you know, the, what's come before it mm -hmm. uh, so closely. And so it was a lot of fun because I think there's a lot of exploration that happened, um, you know, working with Bruce and Alan um, and kind of coming up with like, you know, how the characters are and where they're going. Uh, so it was, uh, it was very creative. What kind of challenges do you run into with directing animation where the world could basically be anything that you want it to be? Uh, I think the challenge is it being too big and sort of too much. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of it is sort of like, you know, uh, staying on target with what the point is and, uh, you know, what's, what's, what's happening. Because it's, it's very easy to sort of just go crazy. Sure. When working with superheroes, do you have like a kind of toolbox that you've built at this point where you have like certain shots that you love or certain things that you like to set up? Yeah, and that's kind of the uh, the problem with it because you want to sort of keep fresh a little bit and not having to keep going back to it. You know, um, this one in particular was uh, potentially very very big because you have basically you know new characters that nobody's ever seen before. You have to introduce them, and basically at the end it's like you're fighting basically the military, and so it's this huge battle that potentially could get very very quickly out of control. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, we look forward to seeing the film. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here with John DiMaggio, hey. voice actor extraordinaire, oh, stop it. Uh, and you are voicing the Joker. Uh, yeah, the Joker a little bit, Lex Luthor, and Lex Luthor, and uh, I think a little Gorilla Grodd in this one too. And a little, so wow, I think. I think. 
maybe maybe not. I can't remember. I played Gorilla Grodd a couple times, and I'm like, oh yeah, Gorilla Grodd. Did I play Gorilla Grodd on this one? I can't remember. But Lex Luthor, yes. Very villain heavy. In yeah, this. yeah, and it's fun. It's really it's really funny actually. There's a, there's a sequence in this movie that's really hilarious, and I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but it's really funny and it's great because it's so playful and you know doing this lego stuff is really a lot of fun yeah you know what's your personal history with legos i mean i had them i played with them they were fun you know they're just like anybody else i mean lego is pretty much you know one of the best toy inventions ever right i do have i do have a plaque that's uh, the original patent for lego toys oh, like no kidding yeah yeah so I mean, it's not the original patent, but it's a copy of the original patent. <laughs> I, let me make that clear. Sure, sure. I don't want anybody being like, oh, what's DiMaggio holding on to? Uh, but, you know, I mean, Lego's great. I, I, you know, Carlsbad, represent, you know? Oh, snap. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. When, you are, when you're voicing iconic characters like Lex Luthor and the Joker, do you try to ignore what's been done beforehand? Yeah. And yeah. so how do you yeah. find your voice? You just do it. You just jump in. Yeah. Uh, you've got your character Bible, you've got your character design, and you've got what they want, what the producers want you to sound like. And if you get it, they go go with that, run with that. Yeah. So it's it's cool, you know. It's it's a it's 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 a combination of everybody doing everything. Yeah. You know, and and uh, and it's a team effort to get the voice right. So that's what you do, really. I mean, I come in with what I, what skills I have, and they, you know, they fine tune it. Sure. Is there a genre that you prefer working in? Like you've been doing a lot of comedy stuff, but you've done other things as well. Um, I like all of it. I don't care. Everything except like infomercials and porn. That's my wife's line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's my wife's line. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, 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 everything short of that, I'm down. Cool. You know, I've, I mean, I've even done mocap. That's a scary day. Really? This this body in a in a very tight suit with what balls did you all over it. For? Um, that uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, the, the Lord of the Rings game. The I oh, forget the Shadow name. Mordor, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I was thinking Zeppelin the whole time. I'm like, this is it <laughs> Darkest Depths of Mordor? Yes, yeah. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, uh, it was. Yeah, it was fun. Cool. It was fun. But this is this is great. The you know. Doing this stuff and playing Lex Luthor is a blast, you know. And I got yeah. to play the Joker for a second, which was kind of cool. So yeah, yeah. I like to revisit that. Cool. Well, thanks for your time. Thank I you appreciate so the chat. Nice I'm to so, meet I'm you. Sorry, I'm sweating so much on camera. I just ran over here from the freaking Marriott. Oh. <laughs> I'm here with Josh Keaton, yes. who's playing Hal Jordan, yes, the, Green the Green Lantern. Lantern. This is not your first time. No, no, it's not my first rodeo. No. Uh, when you're now playing Hal consistently like this and sure. jumping into a new type of Hal. Yes. How do you approach that differently from your previous? Well, Lego is a, is a much lighter world than Green Lantern, the animated series. So um, so Hal's got to be a little bit more fun. So a lot of the uh, a lot of the cockier aspects of his personality are played up a little more than they would be in something uh, a little bit more serious for comedic effect. Sure. Um, and to be honest, I've actually been kind of taking a little bit of a a little bit of a nod from uh, from the Guy Gardner character, oh, and, yeah. and working a little bit of that personality into Lego Hal, yep. um, because it's just more fun, and uh, and so yeah, you get to see a lot of the back and forth banter between Hal and Flash in this. Yep. They have a little healthy rivalry, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a personal connection with Hal at all, or is there, are there elements of his character that you kind of feel like you bring in? I'm probably the most stubborn person on the planet, so that <laughs> that. Definitely, I have uh, in conjunction with Hal. I'm not like 
I'm not this tall and I don't have a chest that's this big. So I don't share that with him. My jaw's not out to here either. But uh, yeah, I think I probably have more in common with the Lego one. Yeah. You know, I'm a little blockier, I'm a little yeah. shorter. But uh, yeah, yeah. More up for playing. More up for playing, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, compared to some of the other voice work you've done, uh, do you approach superheroes in a different way? I mean, Lego's more fun anyway, so you sure. get to play with it. But do you have. Uh, maybe more attachment to a superhero genre than other stuff you might have worked on? Um, I don't know. I'd say that there's a little bit more of a familiarity because I've done a bunch of it. But no, I think I'd still approach it the same way because even if it's the same superhero, like you're saying, mm -hmm. um, in Lego the context is different. Sure. So you still kind of have to see, okay, well how does this character fit into this context? Yes. And, and, and how can we make that work? Because what's going to work in this isn't necessarily going to work in this, even if it's the same guy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, what was the question again? <laughs> it's already more more attachment to superheroes or not, but I mean, I love I love playing a superhero because I'm not a superhero, right. so it's it's uh, you're not you sure? No, 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 no. There's well, no ring somewhere. Yeah, yeah, well, not that I can tell you, about. but um, I, I I definitely think they're fun to play because you you got to still find the humanity in them because sure. even though they have this superpower. Uh, they still have to use it amongst everybody else in the real world and, and, and live with all the consequences that that brings. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it, but it's, it's really just, it's a part like anything else. When you get a new script dropped in front of you and maybe you haven't even seen the character yet, yeah. where do you look for inspiration to kind of find that character's voice? It depends. If it's an existing comic character, I read all that I can. I'll, I'll go and I'll actually pick up some, some books. That's actually how I, how I had to figure Hal out because yeah. when I first started voicing him for the, sh uh, for the show, um, I wasn't really familiar with Green Lantern. Sure. Uh, right. And so I really had to do a lot of research so I'd be able to hit the ground running. If there's nothing like that, it's really... It's really kind of open season. You really it, anything can go. So you you really have to read the other characters and see how the other characters relate to that character, how they play off of him, and 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 what his motivations are, and and really kind of find the personality before you find the voice, sure. and then see see where that leads. Um, sometimes they'll they'll have character art, which helps immensely because if he's a big guy, if you know he's going to move slower, or if he's you know little, you know he might have an uh, uh, an, an inferiority complex sure, and makes sure. him overcompensate. Like uh, seeing something helps so much. So so much more thought than anyone would have possibly considered. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's acting just like anything else. You yeah. still got to make a lot of character choices and and see where they fit into the story arc and and all of that. Awesome. Well, I love yeah. your work and thank, thank you so, so much, much for joining us, man. Pleasure, Pleasure to meet you. you. I'm here with Troy Baker, the voice of Batman, yes. wait, and the uh -oh. Joker. Ooh, how did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man, either. I, first of all, anytime you get a chance to work as an actor, yay. Um, when you get to play characters that you literally grew up, like watching on TV yep. or, you know, playing, I got to play the NES Batman game. Remember that? Like a Castlevania kind of thing game? Yeah. Um, <laughs> That is that transcends just like that's just a wonderful experience and a great reward. You're literally freaking out. The yeah. nerd in you is exploding. The kid in you is dying, and all you care about is just making sure that you do the best job possible. You want to do something you're proud of. That you carefully preserve this, you know, Fabergé egg that, that is this character, and then you find out how truly strong the characters in the franchise is mm -hmm. and you learn to just trust. Yeah. You learn to trust that people like Brandon Vietti or, or um, the people, uh, you know, whether this is a huge franchise that goes to film, games, TV, everything else. 
you learn to trust that these guys care about it just as much as you do. And everybody just wants to make this the best that it could possibly be. Because yeah. um, nobody can do this on their own. Nobody can. So You're not going to start drawing them and animating yourself. Let me show you how it's done, yeah, guys. Right. Now, this stick figure right now, once we get back from animation, is going to look a lot cooler. Do you, at this point, just have a checklist? Like, I'm going to hit that, I'm going to hit that, I'm going to hit that. All these characters, just no, bam. It, it surprises me every time. I yeah. never... I think if I started working with an agenda, it would it would really screw me up. Um, because the the, be, the whole beginning of this, like my, the, the way that I'm even working in this business, has been tripping backwards and stumbling forwards. And I don't think that'll ever change. You know, what you do when you get the job is you do the due diligence and you do the homework and you make sure that you're doing the best that you can. Um, and sometimes it stretches you. So I'm like, honestly, my one weakness several weaknesses, <laughs> one for the sake of this conversation. I couldn't laugh. Oh. I'm not a laugher. Like, I, I, I will laugh, sure. but I can't do the controlled laughter like, you know, Mark Hamill could take you down this little roller coaster. Okay. I couldn't do it. And so when they originally offered me the Joker, I was like, oh, no. Nah. And what was so great was that Ames Kirchen, who is uh, the VP at Warner Brothers for, for Interactive, said he was like, if we think you can do it, then who the hell are you to tell us that we're wrong? Right. He's like, get over yourself and get in the ring. Let's do this. So it's it's because of people like that that have really given me the confidence and the courage to 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 be stretched and you know be willing to make an ass out of yourself. And then you get those moments like in New York. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. like, holy crap! I never thought that I would be on a panel in New York at Comic Con talking about this, and I get to play this, and then I get to do that. And for it to be received that way, that to me is not a reflection so much of a wonderful performance as much as it is it shows this community of nerds. We love these things so much. And when we see one of our own really work hard mm -hmm. and have a cool moment that he's freaking out over, that's, that's what the pat on the back was for. Yeah. You know, And it was just it was a really, really great moment. And when you get called back to do it, whether it be in Monster Mayhem or another Lego game or whatever... You're like, maybe I didn't screw this up as bad as I thought I did. And the best part about this, somebody asked me, what was your favorite moment while you're recording? And I was like, my favorite moment is about to happen. Right. When we get to see that thing on the big screen, and I'm so glad he asked that question so I can say it to you. <laughs> I was like, I need to write that down. Because it literally is. We don't get to see the finished product yeah, yeah. until it's up there. So when we're sitting out next to each other going, ah, it's the first time yeah, yeah. for both of us. And that's my favorite moment, yeah. is, is when the kid in me is sitting there with the popcorn going, wow, we got to do that. Yeah. Um, and that becomes the dragon that you want to chase. You want to have more of those moments. Knowing your reluctance to take the role of the Joker now, and when you, that moment at New York Comic Con where you got to do the monologue mm -hmm. and the reception and everything, was there like this fear inside of you leading up to that? Or was it like a chance to prove it? True terror. Yeah, I, I, and I'm not like you can put me in this situation. You can put me in front of five thousand people. I'm all, that's where I thrive. I'm like yeah. a bacteria that way. That's like the perfect environment for me. Yeah. But for some reason, with that, it was all insecurity. It was all doubt. It was I didn't want to. I didn't want to break it. I, I felt like I was walking again around with this egg. And I didn't want to break it. Sure. And I had our creative director. It was just like, look, we made a great game. You're not going to be the one to take it down. Yeah, get out there and do it. These people want to see that. And if you want this, you have to do this. It's kind of like, um, I'm going to go Game of Thrones on you, okay? Okay, do it. This season was very, very interesting. Yep. 
but there was one specific episode where, you know, Arya's arc is incredible, and uh, when she's at the House of White, uh, Black and White, mm -hmm. he was like, how badly do you really want this identity? How really badly do you want this thing? Because if you do, it's going to cost you the things that you hold dear. Mm -hmm. It's going to cost you your prize. It's going to cost you those clothes. It's going to cost you that sword. So that was the kind of moment for me. It's like, you say you want this, but are you really willing to put away your pride, to put away your fears, yeah. and actually get in there and do it? Because that's what this requires. Right. And so there was a really cool moment for me to go, if I really want that, I'm also going to have to do this. I'm going to have to get over myself and trust people a lot. Sure. And, and then just get in there and do the best job that I can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I know you have so much to do. <laughs> was that a goal today? <laughs> no! But I, but I, I wish I'd taken the best. Like, you got, you got to put it in Game of Thrones at least one interview. Okay, I got a job! You should have an interview bingo. Just checking them off as you yes. go Bingo! Game of Thrones. <laughs> B16. Awesome. Great chatting with you again, man. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Cheers. I'm here with Roger Craig Smith, the voice of Batman. No, oh, crazy. Not your Dude, first time playing you. The voice of Batman. I can't get the lower right now. Yeah. All right. Except I have none of the... Because I'm like uh, up here now. I have none of the acting chops, though. It's all voice, no acting. Neither do I. There you go. It's all pipes. It's all pipes. All pipes. All pipes. So are you saying I have a future career? I think so. I'm out of the job. Well, listen, like, yeah, you're asking me, like, you're like, I'm here with the voice of Batman. You're like, I'm here with the voice of Batman. And the voice of Batman's like, hi, how you doing? <laughs> I lost my voice yesterday. I don't know how. Because oh. I, I haven't even been here at the con the whole week. I just, like, got off a plane, and I was like, uh, <clears throat> yeah. oh, that's good for a, a day of doing this. And then having guys, you know, say, like, I'm here with the voice of Batman. And me going, uh-huh. Yeah, it's an honor to be the voice of Batman. Really? Yeah, cool character. Anyway, sorry. I'll take the compliment. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's a good voice. Thank you. Thank you. you. I appreciate it. You're, you're, you're barking up the right tree here. Well, I met Andrea yesterday, and she didn't say a thing, so I was a little... Oh, well, well you know what? You know, that's tough. I mean, that's tough. It's like, you know, she's probably not... She's not here to work. Right. In that regard. Right, right. But I guarantee you, she's got a mental note going on. She's like, that guy in the Star Wars. I'll touch base with her Wars later. Shirt. I'm going to remember that guy. That could be another Batman. Speaking of Batman, yes. this is not your first Batman. Uh, no. You also, in okay. addition to uh, Batman Unlimited, which is this film, you voiced Batman for Arkham Origins. I did. Obviously very different in intent and audience. So Absolutely. what do you do with your Batman to kind of accommodate that? Uh, you know what, essentially with what Heath Corson has written for these uh, this series of films, we've got, uh, just it's a more family-friendly approach. And what's nice too, um, Wes Gleason, our director, had us kind of playing around with sort of the, the, the relationships between uh, Batman's friends and Batman's enemies. Um, and sort of the, the comments and the, it was a little snarkier here and there, and a, maybe a little more uh, relaxed from what we've seen like from Arkham Origins. Arkham Origins being a much more adult uh, themed by comparison. Yeah. Um, uh, just a little bit mu much more adult sort of approach to uh, to, to that storyline. So with this, we have uh, obviously a G-rated, family-friendly version of Batman. Right. So this Batman might not be quite as aggressive. Sure, you know, it's, sure. uh, we're not going to go. We're not going to push to uh, to to sort of the uh, the uh, the Christian Bale performance of you know sure, the sure. you know swear to me and all that stuff. So <laughs> probably won't be doing that. Sure. But this is a uh, which I have to go on the record. I've said this a number of times. I love yeah. that version of Batman. But, I did uh, too. Yeah. It's I always thought the choice made perfectly good sense. I know Absolutely. people get like sort of polarized on that uh, that voice, but I think, nope, nope. It's a it's a good decision. It's a good decision. In that vein. Uh, voice actors have to go out on a limb all the time when you are making choices on how you're creating your character. How often does that tend to pay off when you like put yourself out there versus what you kind of went in intending to do? That's a really good question because uh, there's so many times I've had a lot of people ask me like, what do you do to prepare for a role? And, and the reality is other than try to rest so I don't lose my voice, sure. um, I don't usually go in knowing what it is that I'm going to do. Because e even with a character like Batman, I can know that... Uh, 
you, you don't want to step too far outside the box of where that character sure, sort of lives. Yeah. And the only way you find out is if you go too far and you go, oh, that didn't feel right. But the reality of, of, of this process is it's very collaborative and we work very closely with the director, with uh, the producers, with the writers. And you'll walk in and you'll say, all right, how about this? And you just sort of like throw that vocal uh, approach to the wall and if it sticks, cool, and you yep. move on. Um, but it's never me walking in and saying, this is what I'm going to do and this is what performance I will give you. Mm -hmm. I've got ideas and I'll try those things out. And then uh, at the end of the day, if it's not working, it's not working and they, they we circle back around. Um, and try to try to you know sort of uh, I always call it like football. It's like we we see what we want want to do for the play, yep. and we hike the ball. I give that performance lasts about eight seconds like a football play, and uh, and then we huddle back up and go, did that work? It didn't. Okay, let's try it again. Let's try something else. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's it's never me just walking in going, this is the Batman I'm going to give you. Um, I worked very closely with with uh, uh, with both Heath and uh, with Wes on this to kind of determine, all right, this is the Batman we're gonna create. Because it's not just my performance. I didn't write the words. I don't animate it. Mm -hmm. um, I just get to be this lucky guy, this lucky dork who gets to go in and uh, you know be the voice of a character, right. um, a childhood dream come true. Uh, and, and it's a collaborative process. There's a lot of people that, that go into making that, that finished version of what we see and hear. It's not just me. When you learn that you're going to be playing Batman, you mentioned that as a childhood dream, I assume you were a fan of the character beforehand. Is there a sense of pressure that comes along with that? Yeah, and you try not to think about it because I mean, both Troy and I, when when Arkham Origins came around, we both met, had like a moment of elation and a moment of like trepidation, uh, where it was like, wow, okay, so we got we got these roles. I can't believe this. Ooh, okay, because uh, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill have established you know what we've come to know, and sure. and obviously we are very aware of that because those are the the characters that we grew up watching and listening, right? Uh, listening to. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it it's it goes without saying that you would feel a, a great sense of pressure. And also just a just a, a great sense of the honor of what it is to get to, to be a part of all of this. Right. Uh, it's 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 totally surreal. It, it, the first interview that I do when I get to Comic Con for anything like this is always so strange, and all of a sudden I I get a little panicky because I go, oh, that's right, I forgot. I already did this, and I'm now going to be asked, you know, uh, questions about being Batman, and it's right. and it's so strange because right, right. I don't see Batman in the mirror, and I definitely don't feel like Batman. Batman would remember to pack pants. <laughs> I, I literally forgot to pack jeans. Or tights. Yeah, or tights, yeah. Actually, thank God I'm not packing tights. That's not, uh, I don't think anybody wants to see me in a pair of tights. <laughs> but jeans would have been more appropriate for today, and I forgot those. At this point, is, Batman there, is, there, is there almost like a brotherhood of Batman voices? Like, do you see other people that have voiced Batman? There's a little Will nudge, Friedle. nudge, wink, wink. Yeah. Will Friedle. I mean, we laugh about it all the time. It's, uh, yeah, you know, I, I have yet to meet Kevin Conroy, and I really want to. We finally just reached out to one another on Twitter, and, and that's phenomenal. Um, it's just, yeah, it's... He would be, for me, meeting Kevin Conroy would just be like, okay, you know, it's like, you know, I've met at the Pulp. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, but yeah, I think all of us, and, and that also feels sort of disingenuous or, 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 or surreal for me to be like, yeah, like I'd give him a wink. No. Right. No, I'd, I'd, I'd kiss the ring. You right, know, it's right, like right. that kind of a thing. Um, but like with somebody like Will Friedle and I, and, and that's, that's another neat thing. There, you can get some attention for doing the voice of this character, but the, the, the reality is there's a lot of guys that have voiced the Joker, that have voiced Batman, that have voiced all these characters. Obviously, we're talking 75 years of history with this stuff. Uh, it's bound to happen. There's going to be some cast changes and whatnot. Sure, sure. So to have any opportunity to have Arkham Origins and then this, is is it's like the icing on the cake that was already iced. Right. Because to get to do it, even if it was just one and done with Arkham Origins, I get to go the rest of my life going, I got to be Batman in yeah. something that was just amazing. So, yeah. Awesome. it's uh, It is a... It is a nice group to be a part of, but I definitely don't feel... I feel like I'm that member that, like, somehow snuck in. 
you know, like my pass was expired, but I used it anyway, and they somehow like didn't realize it, and they let me in. And they're like, "Yeah, uh, hey, Batman's, how's everybody doing?" Like, I'm the guy. You know, the other guys are looking at me like, "Why did they let him be Batman? That doesn't make any sense." He doesn't have the pipes of this guy. I can't do it. Ugh, losing my voice. Well, it was a pleasure to meet you. All right, man. I look forward Thank to the you. film. Likewise. And uh, so enjoy your work. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. I enjoy your work as well. Thank you. Good job, son. I'm here with Will Friedell, the voice of Nightwing for Batman Unlimited. Uh, Nightwing is a slight departure from what we know you best from, which just happens to be one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Batman Beyond. Oh, thank you. So, very excited to talk to you. Uh, but when you're dealing with something that is still in the Batman universe, mm -hmm. and that close age-wise to Terry, mm -hmm. how do you avoid just the comparison right away? Um, you know, it's tough to, especially because I wanted to play them both deeper in range because you really wanted to show a good um, delineation between Nightwing and Red Robin in sure. this movie. So I wanted to bring it down kind of almost into the Batman Beyond uh, Terry range, and then it really just comes down to character, where uh, Nightwing is much more open and free and joking and laughing than, than Terry was. Terry was a very, I mean, when you actually go back and you watch Batman Beyond, yeah. Terry was a very dark, troubled kind of kid. Oh, totally. Um, and you, uh, you know, while Dick Grayson has his past, he certainly does not have that darkness. So it's, uh, you know, it was much, you can really lighten it up. It's also, it's easy when you've got uh, the characters around you, whether it, when the first movie it was really um, uh, The Flash. Yep. That he and The Flash yep. kind of had that rapport. And in this movie, it's, it's really uh, Green Lantern and or, or Green Arrow and, uh, and Red Robin. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really more character than it is voice quality. So hopefully that'll, that'll show the difference between the two. Yeah. yeah. I talked to Bruce Tim yesterday about what series he would like to kind of pick up where he left off and keep going if he had the opportunity. And he said Batman Beyond. So I know that ended kind of abruptly. I don't know how it was on your end of things, but yeah. if that opportunity came back, oh, I mean... Two seconds. Yeah. Are you kidding? It was, first of all, it, it, it holds an exceptionally special place in my heart because it was my first ever voiceover job. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. I'd never really? done anything voiceover-wise, no and next thing I know, I was sitting next to Kevin Conroy with Bruce Tim and Glenn Murakami and Paul Dini and everybody there. Uh, so it was daunting and scary. Andrea Romano directing. I mean, it was just the A-list. Yeah. But it was, I mean, what a way to get into the world, you know, of voiceover. So, yeah, very special place in my heart, Batman Beyond. And I would go, it's one of those things where if somebody said, oh, we're going to do a Batman Beyond greeting card. Do you want to come and do the voice of Terry? I would be there in two seconds for free. So if um, I throw a couple sketches together and make a flip book? <laughs> Let's do it. You can, awesome. I, I just, I, I think it's one of those. And I, I like that they through um, Justice League and then Justice League Unlimited got a chance to end the story totally. with Epilogue yep. but it was still it's one of those things where I think there are so many more stories to tell that I would love to at the very least do another movie I thought Return of the Joker was awesome I, I mean agree. just totally. an incredible uh, animated feature so I would love to do another one of those frankly. Yeah. is there an affinity for superhero as a genre or yeah there yes I mean there there is there's you know what it is there's for me, an affinity towards Batman especially okay. because I love the idea of somebody with no power. It's just a man and his will that's kind of going out to to do what he can to help save the world. Sure. And that, so I love that. I'm, you know, I, I like Green Lantern and I like Superman. I like everybody else. But I've always loved the fact that Batman was just a guy. Yeah. That was uh, important to me. And then and then picking that up with Terry, where Terry was just a kid right, uh, right. who was kind of doing the same thing. So And I, I thought one of the, the greatest parts of Batman Beyond was, and we ended up doing an episode about it, was it came to the point of, is it Terry or is it the suit? 
because the suit was so powerful right. that which one was it? So they did an episode where he didn't have a suit. Right. I loved that. So it was like, okay, I like that. To me, that was where Terry really grew into his own. Right. And so. then Iron Man three maybe ripped off that concept a little. A bit. A little bit. A little bit. Was it the suit or was it the guy? They did, but no one saw Iron Man three. So. <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Batman Beyond did it first. That's yeah, really important. I did. No, I was. Uh, yeah, I, that that character to me will always just be hugely important. Yeah. You do a lot of uh, obviously on-camera stuff too in addition to voice acting mm -hmm. and I know there is a physical component to voice acting too but what is the big differences for you when you know you're going to be on camera verse? Diet and exercise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, you know it's one of those things again people joke that oh you can do the voiceover in your bathrobe and nobody does because of goodness right. we, we take our job very seriously but there is the idea that it is just about your voice. That's all that matters. The acting and your voice. It yep. doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter if you've shaved. It doesn't matter what kind of clothes you're in. It doesn't matter if you're in makeup. It doesn't matter if you're coiffed. It's just pure, natural acting. Sure. Um, so there's something about that that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's there's benefits on camera, too. You know, I uh, especially when, with, with like sitcom, for instance, you have the audience. So yeah. you have instant reaction, which is which is which can become like a drug to an actor. Yeah. Uh, so that's a wonderful thing, and that's something that I missed for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I left. I didn't want to do on camera anymore, and then Girl Meets World came out, and they asked me to come back, and it was too good an opportunity to not play Eric again. Yeah. So I had to go back back and do it and and that kind of got the juices flowing so I, I think I'm probably gonna start doing a little bit oh, more that's that. awesome yeah it's again diet and exercise yeah yeah but uh, you know uh, for the work it's it's there's a lot more involved in doing on camera okay. for pure joy you can't be voiceover yeah. you really can it's just yeah. wonderful is there a uh, an intimidation level that comes along with working with someone like Kevin Conroy there was an intimidation level for about 30 seconds until he spoke to me the first time, put his arm around me, and uh, kind of instantly, in my head, became my mentor. Uh, it, it, you could not meet a nicer human being in your life, yeah. a more talented human being. I mean, classically trained New York stage yes. actor yes. who is six foot, 100 feet tall with that deep, booming voice. And uh, he, you know, again, I'd never done it before. Yeah. So I was sitting next to him, and it was little things. You know, he would tell me, "All right, sit up straight, open up your diaphragm, roll back your shoulders." I mean, he literally took me under his wing right away. Yeah. So you're intimidated the first second you meet him, and then you could not meet a nicer human being in your life. So it was just instant for me, just kind of going, "All right, this is the guy I gotta follow." Yeah. Um, so, and he was, he, thankfully took uh, took a, a little pup under his wing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was great talking to you. You as well. Huge pleasure to meet you again. Thank you very Such much. Such a huge very fan. Very sweet. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. I am here with Yuri Lowenthal, the voice of Red Robin That's from right. Batman Unlimited. Not the fast food chain. Not the fast yeah, food right, chain. Right. <laughs> this is, uh, aside from another iconic character that you voice, of course, right. uh, Red Robin is in a similar age range. So how do you avoid yeah. running into similar territory? Um, you know, I mostly I trust the, uh, if I get in my head too much about, oh my god, does this character sound like, you know, another character that I've played, I trust the uh, the character design, yep. the visuals, uh, the writing, you know, the story, and uh, and the direction to keep me in a totally different zone. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sure, if you took the picture away, you know, and you listen to characters side by side, I'm sure they're, they're similar. But um, I think there's an attitude and, uh, and, you know, a background to a character that makes it different enough. Totally. Yeah, that, uh, that I don't think anybody's going to be paying attention. Yeah. I try not to pay attention. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll get in my head about it. And I, yeah. Do you have any, or did you have any personal attachments to, like, the Batman universe before going into this? Hugely so. I grew up with it. Okay. Although, although, to be totally honest, uh, when I first started doing Batman Unlimited, 
I was went back in my comic reading uh, history. I wasn't reading a lot of Batman, you know, during that whole, you know, Death of Robin, sure. you know, the, the Jason Blood, Tim Drake, you know, Grayson, you know, all the, the different, you know, Nightwing and incarnations of Robin. Sure. Um, so I actually had to go back and do a little research. I'm like, okay. oh, I got I to gotta find out where Red Robin, you know, lives in this, you know, what, what, sort of what part of the world mm -hmm. he is and, and exactly which is the right. Okay, Tim Drake is Red Okay, got it. So it's, uh, so I didn't have as much investment in, in that part. Um, I just trusted that they cast me because they felt that I fit the, their version of Red Robin that they wanted. But I did want to make sure that I knew exactly where I fit in the right, world. Right, right. Yeah. When you're looking at a character on a page or when you're just looking at writing, mm -hmm. how do you then find the voice that fits the right thing for that? I, 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 I get as much as I can out of the script. Mm -hmm. um, and if they've sent you, you know, a good part, you know, a good scene to, to look at or, you know, good good character description, there's, there's a fair amount of information there. And then I, I just got to go with my gut. You know, I got to put whatever part of me, you know, resonates with, with the script into it. And then I trust that it's either right for what they're looking for or it's, you know, way off. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, trust is a huge part of this. Yeah. That, that is not always easy. Yeah, yeah. Because I want every one. Yeah. You know, yeah. you like all the voices that you're going with. And oh, it's, yeah. oh, yeah, and I well, and I, I want all the characters I audition for. Sure, you know? sure. But sure. I know that I know that a bunch of them are just not going to be right for them. How often is that that you go in with a few different character voice ideas and ends up with the one you thought least likely? That happens occasionally, um, but not not as often as you'd think. Just because they'll bring me, you know, when I when I send in an audition, because mm -hmm. a lot of these often, you know, I'm not even in the room with the director, you know, for the first time around. Sometimes for a callback, okay. maybe, but uh, but I'll I'll go with whatever I think is going to be best, and and if they don't like that, I'm not in the room for them to go. Hey, could you try this other okay. thing? They just go on to the next person until they find the right thing. Sure, sure. Um, if I do get you know cast, then often on the first day we'll spend some time honing it, but it generally it'll stay in the, in about the same zone. You okay. know, I might get a little younger, a little older, or a little more snarky, a little gruffer, or whatever, but. But that's just tweaks, usually. How often in the recording room do you get to actually sit down with the rest of the ensemble and record as a group? Uh, not as often as I would like. Yeah. Uh, but with with stuff like this, they usually try to get at least several people in at the same time. Okay. We didn't get to do a huge cast record for Batman Unlimited because getting all those people together, you know, all those actors, you know, with their schedules, sure. is tough. Plus, the more actors you put in a room the less likely it, you know, I mean, Wes Gleason, the, the, the director, the yeah. voice director is great, yeah. but I, I feel bad that most of his time is spent, you know, when you've got people in the room like, you know, DiMaggio and uh, Will Friedle yeah, and yeah. Roger and Davey Mitchell and me, and we just like, to, you know, we like to tell stories and we like to talk yeah. to each other and we like to make jokes and yeah. we like to make fun of the script and we like to make fun of the characters and poor, poor Wes has to, has to wrangle us. So the more, the more actors you get in there, the diff more difficult it can become right. at times, but also I found that you the better performances you get. Totally. But yeah, when you have actors actually talking to each other and responding to what's happening in the moment, you can't help but get better. Acting better off performances. of something instead of acting off the page. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Cool. Pleasure to meet you, man. Thank you. Really yeah. appreciate your time. Well. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'm here with Keith Corson, the writer of Batman Unlimited Monster Mayhem. And uh, compared to some of the other stuff you've written, uh -huh. this is uh, this is an interesting genre that seems to jump 
kind of between the adult and the kid frame. Yeah. How do you approach something like that? Um, well, you know, it's it's really exciting. You still want these characters to be these characters. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still going to get Batman, but yep. it's more of an all-ages Batman. And, and when I say all-ages, I don't mean we're doing a kiddie version. I mean sure. all-ages like Pixar. Right, you know, like right, it's right. the Incredibles. So, like, the dad is going to be able to watch this and the little girl's going to be able to right. watch this, which is exactly what we wanted because right now at this moment... There aren't comic books for younger kids with Batman in them, and there aren't. Um, uh, there's not a, a show on the air. So where are the kids going to get their version of Batman? And we all grew up with Batman. Sure, and sure. and Sam Register, the head of Warner Animation, was very smart to go, "Hey, every generation deserves their own Batman. So let's make sure we give a new version and we give some." Smart. And and I thought that was really exciting. You know, I have two nephews who are seven and nine, and my sister called me before I got this job and said. Um, we can't show your nephews anything that you're doing, and yet you're writing superheroes and you're writing animation. Right. So she's like, well, we can't show them Assault on Arkham with heads blowing off. <laughs> right, right, she's right. like, when are you going to do something that I can show your nephews? And so I was very excited to get, be able to do this. Yeah. yeah. When you get the call to play in the Batman universe or the superhero universe in general. Uh, you always say yes. Yeah. The end of that sentence is yes. Yeah. Just because you get to play with all the toys. I mean, in this, I get to do Batman versus the Joker. The Joker has a gang of Halloween criminals that you've never seen shoved together. Yep. Like Clayface, Solomon Grundy, Silver Banshee, Scarecrow, yeah. and the Joker. You know, like, come on, how fun is that? Yeah, yeah. When you see these, then, these characters that you create, like you said, you got to bring in some new things to the universe. Yeah. Now those are becoming, like, toys and everything. How satisfying is it to walk down a toy aisle? Oh, my gosh. It's unbelievable. Are you kidding? That's my childhood up there. Like, right. little little nine-year-old Heath is inside going, like, I don't believe this. This is so cool. What was uh, nine-year-old Heath's favorite things, like, uh, as far as storytelling and fandom and things um, like that? I was a big Batman fan. Yeah. I was a big He-Man fan. I was a big Dungeons & Dragons guy. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, from a writer perspective? Oh, Come on. Totally. Yeah. I was a big video game. I used to go to the arcades, like, yeah. every week and, like, get a $5 for, like, 20 tokens yeah, back yeah. when they were tokens. Yeah. Um, so I was I was a big, big nerd. I was into all that. I'd go to the comic book store every week. Um, I went to camp, and I made my dad go get me my pull list from the comic book shop. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When you are uh, developing a story, especially in the superhero universe, it can be very easy to fall into certain tropes. Uh Uh-huh. How do you avoid those to kind of make sure that you're bringing something fresh and original? You know what? I think one aspect is you tack into it. You want to lean into it because you do know the trope, but you also want to realize, like, here's my take on it. Here's a different spin on it, you know? Because after 75 years, we've seen a lot of Batman Joker stories. So, you know, you want to also... We're all standing on the shoulders of the storytellers that came before for us so we want to acknowledge what the work that they've done before and we also want to bring something new so you really have to uh, dig deep and, mm-hmm. and find what you're bringing to it this might be an impossible question to ask a writer sure. but when you approach a story is it generally story first in your mind or is it character first uh, well I start with the characters and the characters really start suggesting story so okay. with this one uh, um, when we had the Joker I was like what can we do that's big and massive for the Joker to do and, and it was disabling to all technology okay um, so that was really sure. really cool sure thanks awesome. so much man. appreciate it man nice to meet you guys a big thank you to everyone who took the time to chat with us at this year's San Diego Comic Con and thanks to all of you for listening For everything else that we do, including the new Random Movie Podcast, you can go to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can like us at facebook.com slash thegeekgeneration and follow at geekgeneration on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at thenightangel. 
Support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with new stuff for you, and we'll see you then. Later. Make it so.